0: Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Back, And thank you for listening. David.
1: Yes. How you doing? Uh, I mean, obviously I am, uh, my heart goes out to the people who love, who have lost their homes and their lives mm-hmm. in the, in the fire, uh, and the multiple fires here in, in California. Um, it's, it feels weird to be like perfectly safe and be like, yeah, the air, complaining about the air quality, but the air quality is terrible. Yeah, it's even worse up north by the campfire. You and I were just talking about this off, off air. Um, so uh, we are hoping for a uh, speedy and safe as possible end. Yeah. to this fire, and hopefully we'll get a reprieve for a few months before it's fire season again. Because that's uh, our world now.
0: Yeah, and it's and you know it's, if I, if I find myself sitting in traffic for a while I start to get angry at a person that I can't visualize because in my mind this can be like the bad traffic or whatever can be traced back to one person that made a bad decision Um, like (laughs) one guy decided I need to be over there right? and so swerved caused an accident or whatever it is. And now we're all going to be late. Uh-huh. And so now that is probably not what always happens. Uh, but that's, it makes it easier for me by easier. I mean, in, intensely emotionally harder, but in the case of these fires, it's like, well, fires don't just happen. Like a tree wasn't struck by lightning. And now there's a fire somewhere. I like in my mind. And I think it's, it, it's probably true. Someone somewhere was careless and in a very dry area. And I know that's probably not
1: necessarily true, but... It's not necessarily true, because sometimes they are um, uh, strong winds knock down power lines, and the power lines sure. start uh, sure. a, a fire. Um, in fact, I've been reading about uh, whoever, I guess, water and power, whoever, whatever mm-hmm. companies do the uh, are in charge of lines in these sorts of places, um, instituting a policy of just in high wind situations, preemptively shutting off power to people, yeah. which uh, a lot of people would be unhappy about, but if it prevents fires yeah. that, that could work too. It's, it's like, a lot of different you're things. On,
0: you're you'll be unhappy in your house that is not on fire.
1: Yeah. So that's, because a, it's, that's it's I'm, I'm obviously we talk about climate change a lot and climate change is definitely a contributing factor here, but there's also the fact that we keep building homes closer and closer to the woods and forests here in California. And yeah, uh, People just living their lives create sparks and, you know, um, like I, I I don't, I
0: don't begrudge somebody wanting to live, especially if it's someone, if it's a nicer house and it's someone who has some money, maybe some fame. It's like, I want to live kind of out, kind of secluded away from people. It's understandable, but at the same time, and I don't think that it's necessarily dumb, but like Jen was asking me, she's like, do you think we would ever where we are now be in danger of a fire? And I said, no. I not mean, right not, here. There's just too much. It's, yeah. There's too much along the way. Yeah. Um, and there, but that's the thing is like at some point when deciding what, where you're going to live and you decide I'm going to live in the hills, it's like there are a lot of fires yep. around here. And again, I don't necessarily – I don't think that these people are dumb or anything like that, but I just – I don't – I would never risk it myself. Uh, because then it's just like you lose everything now ideally you get your family out you get your pets out so you're not losing any lives but then you have to just completely right remake yeah. your life which you know
1: might be fun but you uh everyone picks their poison i guess yeah if, uh, i mean you and i chose to move to a place where there is going to be an earthquake oh yes like, there's no question yeah um so uh and it's different, yeah it's different in different places obviously some people don't get to pick some people who don't have the means that we have to be able to right. move across the country. They live all their lives in earthquake country or in tornado alley or in tsunami Freezing climates. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Uh, all of these things. So, um, the, older yeah, the world I, is an awful place. Yeah. yeah the, that's something you and I were talking about, Mike. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, the older I get, the more I understand the term you pick your poison. Uh-huh. Like I really uh-huh. get it now that it's just, you know, uh, like I'm, I accepted a, a job starting next semester and I'm super, thank you. And I'm very excited about it and it's way the hell out East and I have a long drive and on one hand, I'm super thrilled to have the job. On the other hand, I predict, you know, a, mo- a moment ago when I was talking about traffic and how angry it makes me, yeah. I predict next semester, uh, a lot of this show is going to start with like, hello and welcome aboard. <laughs> Fuck. Like, I'm just going to get so angry all the time, but you, you know, need to
1: get an apartment near work like Pete Campbell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. A little, uh, a little pied in terre and Cucamonga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have thought of that and because I know that's something that some people do. Um, yeah. And I just can't imagine it. It just seems so, Not inherently sleazy, but uh, there's a high sleaze potential there. Sure, yeah. (laughs) But anyway.
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, that's what I, if I, I've said before, you know, I, I lived alone for a couple years of my life. I'm glad I did it, Mm -hmm. but I'm also glad that I don't still live alone because I do have a tendency to go to seed a little bit, which is not Uh, the same. I'm not filthy. I kept my apartment clean. Right. What I mean is there's no one to be embarrassed about drinking an entire six pack in front of you like if you live alone it's just like hey i'm gonna watch some will and grace reruns and apparently get hammered that's what i used to do after work sometimes you can always text me and i will shame you <laughs> no problem at all uh, but now i live with someone and uh i have for quite a long time now um and that's great yes. loving that uh that's not even what we were going to talk about though it is you not. had something else on your mind yeah so uh
0: so in the college class that I'm teaching we arrived at uh, the chapter on director's style which yeah, another way of putting that is concept you know auteur concepts and that kind of thing and so um so I chose, as I as I mentioned last week, uh, I chose to talk about, to, to rather than talk about a number of different directors, I chose to pick one and really focus in, and that was Tim Burton. It's Wait, not, did you
1: talk about that on the air last week? Well, because during the movie journal, I talked about watching oh, Batman right. Returns. That's right. Okay. Um, Sorry. I was thinking we had another conversation with Kristen and Jake <laughs> right. after we wrapped up about yes. the outdoor theory. Yeah, uh, And, and so, thank you to Kristen and Jake for being on the show last week. Absolutely. It, was a, it was a blast, and it's gotten... Um, uh, it seems to be getting a lot of, uh, people are paying attention to it, I guess. I'm well, that's the thing about film Twitter is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is
0: why an argument for you and I, uh, leaping into it. Um, <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's not going to happen. It's fine. Um,
1: and so, uh, can I tell you, okay, we'll get to the topic eventually right. to your topic and to the yeah. eventual topic. Um, yeah, I did. Um, I had a great time at the AFI Fest. We'll talk about it some more later <clears throat> in a couple weeks uh, when uh, post Thanksgiving we'll do our our AFI Fest wrap up with Scott. Um, but I did meet some like of Scott and Jake's like film Twitter friends, and they're mm-hmm. great. Like I, I really enjoyed talking to them. But it also was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is film Twitter come to life because it's a very specific thing. I noticed them doing okay, and then I this this show is called Battleship Retention. I'm not sure that even I could pull this off. Okay. The thing where instead of referring to a film by its name, you refer to it as the last name of director. Like, Oh, have you seen the regattas yet? Or have you seen the Hong? We're in line for the Hong. I'm seeing the Hong. I saw the, f- seeing the Strickland tonight, the Hong tomorrow. <laughs> and then, like, I kept, uh, I kept like, kind of like shooting looks at Scott or Jake but I was like, "Oh no, they're they're, they're a part of this. A, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they yeah, do no. this too." Um, <laughs> no, you're the you're the sucker at the uh, <laughs> at the poker table, David. Um, so that was I. I make this is gentle ribbing because I made I really this was AFI Fest is weirdly I think just through happenstance of what the movies I picked ended up being the most social film festival for me I've ever mm. been to. I t- I tend to like go to film festivals and spend hours or days at a time, not speaking a word to anyone except for like a bartender occasionally. Um, uh, and (laughs) to which you say like, Hey, can you turn it on? Well, and grace actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I had a great time making friends at AFI fest. Uh, but that was just a little thing I noticed that I, um, haven't said out loud to anyone yet because I, I was, because Natalie wouldn't care and no one else I know besides you would find it funny funny is a word for it. Um,
0: no, it's, uh, I I mean, I've never really been to, I've never been to a film fest. I've been to the international Christian film festival, but I'm always like manning my table or giving a talk or something. I don't really see any of the movies. um, the, the closest I can come to it is something like a Comic-Con or a WonderCon. And Comic-Con especially, much more so than WonderCon, I would say. The, the social element of it is something that I really like. And so I didn't go to Comic-Con this year, and I missed it. Yeah. Uh, the idea of just like you do your stuff during the day, and then you hang out with people in the evening and talk about what you did and just talk about stuff in general. I like that a lot. And yeah. so uh the idea of going to like AFI Fest and talking with people afterwards up until this moment sounded kind of fun. Right. Uh, but there's also
1: no afterwards of the film festival I guess that's true, yeah. Because, you know, especially on the weekends there's midnight movies yeah. and they start in the next morning there's it's it's not afterwards it's in between and it's if you happen to either have a spare moment or happen to end up in line with someone you know. So that's why I'm saying this was this time around was kind of just kismet that I kept being in line with people that I was friends with. Okay. Uh, anyway, but sorry, back to Tim Burton. Right now. Tim
0: Burton is not necessarily my favorite director. I don't know why I said necessarily. He's not my favorite director. (laughs) Uh, I do like a lot of what he has done and he's made a number of movies that I return to over and over again. Uh, One of them most not uh, not most notably, one of of them being Sleepy Hollow, which I recognize is not great, but I come back to it a lot. I really enjoy what he's doing with that movie. Um, I recognize that Edward Scissorhands or Batman or certainly Ed Wood uh, are his better movies, but I do enjoy Sleepy Hollow a lot. Anyway, the point is, um, so I was talking about, you know, background in German expressionism and that sort of thing. Uh, and somebody mentioned, uh, Dumbo Mm -hmm. that is coming out next year, I believe. Um, and this happened to coincide with the, the trailer that was just released
1: is when it comes out. I think it's it's weird that you (laughs) know that the trailer came out today. Okay. So I didn't watch the trailer, but I know what the release date is. I did watch the trailer and, uh, gross. Um, I I, don't watch trailers anymore. Um unless I'm that are playing before movie. I've said I'm, that before I'm more interested. I sound like in, one of those snobs who says the I didn't see the yeah, trailer from the New Burton. The New Burton. Um, <laughs> well I don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> this is this is my character now. Um, um But uh here's my thing with these Disney with like the jungle the John Favreau jungle book. Yeah, and then it's, there's an Aladdin coming up. Right, but the jungle book in particular, and I guess I think it applies to Domo too, is like live action is very much in quotes. Like yeah, I mean, the Jungle Book has, has to be like more than half animated or computer generated. Oh, w- yeah, way more. I, I mean, say. just the background—like they pointed a camera at some woods and then filled everything in yeah. later. Yeah. <clears throat> there is so, a
0: human character.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. A lone human character. Yeah, there's a new Mowgli movie coming
0: out. I did know that. Yeah, directed by Andy Serkis. By Andy Serkis, which yeah. is interesting to me. I uh, can't wait. Um, <laughs> um,
1: but uh, yeah, so that was just seeing the stills from the trailer. I was like, it's another one of these. Yeah. If this isn't like. And I think it's, it's a fake-looking elephant.
0: And I think, honestly, I think that that could warrant its own uh, its own episode at this point. Is the idea of like as. It, not unlike uh with avatar which won best cinematography and yet so much of its camera movement p- with quotes around it is done it was conceived and executed in a computer yeah um and so i feel like the yeah, more computer my question
1: is does the director of photography oversee that you know what i what would I mean? assume they do because like i I complain about color timing just and digital, digital immediate and color grading and stuff like that being way overused, but at least that is still something the DP is yeah is overseeing and signing off on yeah. uh, in most cases.
0: I would assume that yeah, mm-hmm. that the, the DP... I th- and I think we've talked about it on the show before that after a certain point you just have to be like, okay it's not the camera, it's the eye, it's the right. director's right. eye, the cinematographer's eye, whatever you want to say, but anyway, along those lines, like it, something As CGI becomes more a function of character and less, uh, not less action or environment or something like that, uh, and as it becomes more integrated, like it's 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 hard to use the term live action like you almost just want to be like something that's not quite so obviously animated. That's, but that's (laughs) a bit cumbersome to say. Um, but no, but what I ultimately wanted to talk about briefly is just this realization that as I was discussing Tim Burton with my class, I mean, of course I'm talking about Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Wood, Yeah. And then with, and, and, um, Batman Returns, with the occasional Sleepy Hollow and Sweeney Todd and stuff like that to uh, point to his, like, German expressions, bona fides. Um, and, like, I mean, I and I, I don't talk about uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Kids. Even though, like, but we liked it. Which, which we we liked it, for the most part. That we, uh, was his X-Men, obviously. Uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. But, I, like, I, Dark Shadows and Alice in Wonderland, like, they're just... And he's still, the thing that got me is he's still doing what he's always kind of been doing. And I'm just not, but none of us are excited by it anymore. And I don't know if it's that we got used to it or it just feels, I feel like maybe it's just that it's perfunctory
1: now. Like I feel like his heart is not in it. Well, I mean, this is the problem with any sort of iconoclastic work of culture is eventually it gets co-opted Yeah, and there's, you know, uh, like, in the 90s, you've got this rap group, Dead Prez, that's like this, like, strongly vocally, almost like violently left wing, mm. <laughs> you know, um, uh, uh, group. And now, like, yeah, their commercials in, like, or their songs are in, like, commercials yeah. now, you know? Uh, and that's the problem. And Like, everything eventually like I had not to sound like a high schooler but like the system always eventually wins because it just yeah. takes everything in and so Tim Burton might still be doing his thing but his thing doesn't feel new or dangerous anymore right um, the last one of th- his I was excited about was Sweeney Todd and I think it's because it was rated R and it was unabashedly
0: violent and glory like it seemed like it okay. seemed like
1: something a studio wouldn't want to exist but here's what I think the problem is to compare it to, ba- to keep comparing it to bands okay cause I think we do end up those of us who are, uh, you know, critics or people who spend a lot of time thinking and talking about popular culture, um, do tend to reach a, reach these consensuses, uh, as we talked about on the, uh, uh, the podcast last week. Um, and so it becomes like REM is a perfect example. And I'm, this is top of mind of mine because I was just talking about this with my wife, that like the, the, uh, the, the, consensus the general wisdom is that like if you if you know rem if you like rem that means you like the 80s stuff up until the early 90s like up until like Mm -hmm. out of time and automatic for the people it's kind of like the end of it and then they became big at that point and then the narrative is like they were were never as good again and i do think there's something to that like 80s stuff is all very very good like but i also think what we end up doing is then denying ourselves the ability to admit that they still did good stuff later. It's sort sure. of like the uh sure. train spotting, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Sick Boy's theory that when it comes to artists, first you've got it, then you lost it, then it's gone forever. And mm-hmm. then Rin says, uh, because he, he's naming people, and he says Lou Reed. And mm-hmm. Rin says, Lou Reed, some of his solo stuff's not bad. And Sick Boy's like, hey it's not bad, but it's not great right. either. And I feel like that's kind of a bad way of thinking about things because REM put out albums like new adventures in hi-fi and up, which came out when I was in like early high school, both of those that I think are really, really good albums that have like good songs on them, but they're just sort of like at the, at the, at the door, they're set aside. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I do, that's as much as I will openly talk shit about, um, some of Tim Burton's, uh, later stuff and say that I'm not interested in this Dumbo quote unquote live action thing. I still going to, I, I try to go into into every tim burton movie um or any movie hoping that this is a a good one and i do feel like um miss peregrine is better than pe- we, g- people give it credit for because yeah. we don't talk about it because the narrative is that tim burton's lost it i also i've been a defender of the full the feature length animated frankenweenie since it came out Which i think admittedly a, i haven't seen uh, i think it's a surprisingly personal film um go ahead in talking about this do you i'll I'll say this uh you know none
0: of us like charlie and the chocolate factory uh and yet i admire in 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 the context of this conversation i admire it so much more uh because when you realize that tim burton started working with disney and remaking these old classics and that sort of thing uh and he suddenly became shockingly safe. Uh-huh. So within that context, it's 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 sort of what you're talking about, which is, okay, they had it, then they lost it, and so then they're sort of in the process of it being lost, but occasionally there are little blips of, oh, hey, look who just showed up again. Mm-hmm. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005 is so batshit crazy. Like, it is so... Like, he... He is willing to do things that could potentially alienate an audience. Everything that Johnny Depp is doing, don't get me wrong, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> but, the fa- but the fact that I don't enjoy it, I think, speaks to him and Johnny Depp, yes, enabling each other, but also uh, willing to go down a path that one would not immediately assume. And that is the thing that I liked about Tim Burton in the early days. You know, when he said, hey, I want Penguin to basically be an egg that spews green black, uh, greenish black bile, uh-huh. you know, for kids <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it's, that is that's him making a decision that no one would have expected. And so when I look at some of his decisions with something like Charlie and Chocolate Factory, which, of course, now is 13 years old, but uh, I may not enjoy it. But the the fact that I even had the option of not enjoying it. Uh, as opposed to something that was just absolutely micromanaged and made all these decisions to be as crowd pleasing as possible, the fact that there that a lot of us don't be, because of very distinct choices that you cannot say, well, the studio obviously wanted Johnny Depp to play the car- character like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, that's not <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a film that I don't enjoy, but I do admire. Because it's, I feel like it's one of the last gasps of um, Tim Burton asserting himself, Uh, and so I don't know. It's you know I I saw the trailer for Dumbo and it looks treacly and and not interesting. (laughs) Thankfully they they left out whatever the the one hope you have for that is his pink elephant sequence. It better be as <laughs> nightmarish as it can possibly be. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is a, it's, it's a shame, and I'm not sure exactly, because like I said, he's still doing what he's always been doing, and I'm not sure if the issue is me and you and other people who just grew up and got used to it or it just lost some of its soul.
1: Don't it's don't maybe like both. Yeah, it's all that and and more. My question, the scary question to ponder, is what currently iconoclastic young director is going <laughs> to end up making um, lame studio for hire work in twenty, thirty years? You know, are we going to get like uh, a live action? Uh, Little Mermaid from Gaspar Noé. <laughs> <Cool>. oh, <geez. laughs> I, I thought they were
0: doing a live action Little Mermaid. Oh, they probably are. Yeah. Um, the The real one, the one that is absolutely going to, more, even more so than the Jungle Book, the one that is going to fit right into this topic of yours is the live action quote unquote multiple layers of quotes here, Lion King. Oh, because God. there are no humans there. It's going to be they shot a countryside and then made a movie. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. uh, that's the one that's that is going to be like, I think, the pinnacle of your argument.
1: Yeah. Alright, um, let's pay some bills Absolutely
0: uh, This episode is brought to you by Mubi A curated online cinema that brings its members A hand-picked selection of the best independent, international And classic films Every day Mubi's curators introduce a new title And you have 30 days to watch it That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy All for only eight ninety nine a month Plus when you use their mobile apps you can download films to watch offline Currently available on Mubi uh, Are two films by director Joseph Losey, And it sounds like there's going to be more uh, at the moment uh is there's uh the criminal losi's indictment of capitalist contradictions uh losi had been blacklisted in the 1950s and this film was his revenge also available is the servant starring dirk bagardi and adapted from the harold pinter play so those are two films to be on the lookout for one was 1960 the other is 1963 i believe i don't have it in front of me uh but so those are available and there's also a special offer for listeners of battleship pretension you can try movie free for a month just go to movie.com that's M-U-B-I dot com slash battleship to redeem now or click on the movie ad at battleship dot com. This episode is also brought to you by the Dice Enthusiast Presents podcast, a new series based around a board game that four roommates played for the entirety of 2017. During that year, they were faced with problems like drug dealers moving in with them, mental breakdowns, infidelity, and a suicide attempt. Uh, a surprisingly personal podcast, Dice Enthusiast Presents, is a prime example of life happening while you're making other plans or trying to play a game. Go to DiceEnthusiast.com or click on the ad at BattleshipPretention.com to listen.
1: And I want to tell you about tweaked audio.com is where you go for professional quality, uh, earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. And Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't talk. I don't know if you can, my, because uh, yeah, of it? the smoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, no question about it. Uh, sorry. So we use the music every day. Um, today, I actually haven't been listening to that much music today. I've been listening to lots and lots of sports podcasts. Oh, Because um, it's... Who's winning? Uh, <laughs> not the St. Louis Blues. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. The St. Louis Blues last night... oh this is... Heartbreaking? No. that's not even <laughs> the, Because they just suck. And they shouldn't suck. And last <laughs> night, they finally had... They're the... Worst team at the, the bottom of the division. Okay, they had a game against the per, the, the team one ahead of them in, in the division. Their rival, Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago Blackhawks were on an eight-game losing streak. This should have been like, all right, this is gonna we're gonna keep the losing streak going. We're gonna pull out of our our our, our slump. I say our. I'm not on the team, but you know, I'm from St. Louis. Whatever. Yeah. Um, no, the St. Louis Blues lost to the Chicago Blackhawks one to nothing that one goal was a goal that one of our defensemen accidentally kicked into his own net <laughs> so
0: yeah i'm sorry to laugh at your team but it, that is like that is yeah,
1: that, like that's, if you're that's the blackhawks like you take no pleasure in that win at all uh, <laughs> well I, bl- i'm sure they do take pleasure because of broken eight eight game losing streak sure but, uh, and because they get to laugh at the saint louis blues which i'm sure blackhawks fans love um man it's frustrating so that's anyway i'm listening to podcasts about all these sorts of things um i also love well you um uh you work with a ride ride sharing concern mm-hmm. um I, you probably didn't i don't think this this story unlike gritty This this NHL story did not break into the mainstream. Okay, but there were uh, a group of Ottawa Senators players who were in Arizona playing against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, And it was either the night before or the night after the game. They were just out to dinner or whatever. Got an Uber back to their hotel and uh, um, were just openly complaining about how much the team sucks and how much they hate their coaches. Their coaches don't know what they're doing. Um, And when it comes to recording people, Arizona is a single party consent law state which means they don't have to know they're being recorded um and apparently the story goes they either didn't tip or gave a low star rating to this uber driver and so he (coughs) (laughs) sent this video of the ottawa center's uh players complaining about their coach to the ottawa citizen which is the name of the paper in ottawa yep. not just a guy who lives in ottawa <laughs> right, that's yeah. always i need to be very very clear about that indeed um and so that was this was over a week ago at this point but um that's been the talk of the talk of hockey twitter that's uh, fun for a while um, and it's a very funny story now, part of me when i first heard about it part of me was like oh fuck that guy that uber driver what's he She's looking for attention. And I heard, like, oh, they they stiffed him on the tip. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I drive for Lyft, obviously, I record everybody that gets in the car. Uh, you actually that's just, can't. California is just, not a
0: single-party consent state. Look, I do what I want, all right? I'm not going to expose it. I use it just for me.
1: But that's why. Do you remember that show, Cranky Acres? Yes, that's right. I remember that show. So they had uh, uh, Comedy Central and the writers would fly people to Las Vegas to do the calls there because you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't record prank calls in California. You have to go to Nevada to do it. So wow. like comedians would talk about like getting to do crank acres was like, I get to do this show and I get to go to Vegas for a couple of days yeah. on Comedy Central design. Um, oh, I had no idea. That's interesting. <clears throat> anyway. So uh, anyway, all of this chatter on these podcasts has sounded great on my tweaked audio.com earbuds. They're available uh, at a low, low cost Low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes? We're going to get into it in a second. Oh, all right. Um, but I just wanted to note we are half an hour into the episode and just now getting started. And it reminds me, listeners, I meant to tell you, and I guess I meant to actually tell you as well, Tyler, but uh, Battleship Retention is now available on Spotify. Um, oh, okay. you, and I, you and I had talked about it off mic a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot to tell you that I followed through on that. And it's, okay. Uh, up on Spotify. And so I was kind of scrolling through and looking at Cause it's all, you know, you can just scroll all the way down. And that's something I do very often and realizing like our early episodes, we'd have this big top, big idea topics. And they'd be like 47 minute episodes. Yeah. Like what, what were we thinking? We can't even get, it takes us 30 minutes to even get to the topic now. But anyway, this is all by yeah. way of saying you can listen to the show on Spotify now. Um, let's get into it. Shall we? Indeed. Uh, this is something I was, uh, yeah, where did this come from? I was curious. Uh, you know, I don't remember now exactly where it came from because I don't remember how I got to thinking about um, the adventures of Robin Hood with uh, Errol Flynn uh, with Errol Flynn. Um, I can't remember what I was watching anyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the adventures of Robin Hood uh, and I was thinking about the idea of action movies because there was also... You and I both read the A.V. Club. Mm-hmm. There was a column for a while, a great column that is now over called the, A History of Violence, which in mm, which uh, that's right. the columnist who is now doing the same thing with Age of Heroes, which is about superhero movies. OK, but uh, every two weeks he would write a column going chronologically the best or the most important action movie of every year. And he started in the 1970s. Mm. And I was thinking about the idea that when we talk about. The things we tend to think of when we say action movie, which is either like, you know, things like car chases and like Kung Fu and like shootouts and stuff. Most of that does really start in the 70s.
0: Yeah. In doing uh, research for this episode, um, I started at the Wikipedia page and it's very interesting uh, because it's structured much like that where it breaks it down by decade, starting with the 1970s. And then before that, there's a section that simply says early action. Yeah. And it covers everything before 1970. And I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, it uh, it is. And it's not, I mean, it's not unfair. Uh, you know, there aren't as many. Right. But it's also, it is unfair to assume that it starts, you know, the, the French connection. That's, I mean, that's another thing. Uh, I'm gonna sound blasphemous here, but I feel like uh and maybe, you know, you uh you teach people who are much younger than we are, mm-hmm. but like the idea that French Connection is a movie that is known for its car chase, you know? Yeah. Is kind of funny to me now because I think, yeah, in nineteen seventy three, is that what the year French Connection was Seventy one. Is? 71. French Connection two is seventy three, is that right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I've never you, seen French Connection. You Action might be thinking too. of Save the Tiger. Um, no, which does uh, have a surprising a car, number of car yeah. chases <laughs> in it. Um, no, uh, so, French Connection, yeah, in 1971, I'm sure that was like insane. But I feel like, again, I mean, this, it's going to be blasphemous to our classic film heads, but like, The Girl in the Spider's Web has a better car chase than French Connection. Like, there, there are a, a dozen movies a year that have better car chases than a French Connection. French <laughs> Connection is really just. <coughs> A camera pointing in, a camera pointing out of the car. It's a one-car chase, by the way. Yeah, he's chasing a train. Um, no, he's chasing a guy. It, right. but yeah. the
0: guy is on a train.
1: But the train's on a track, so again, you're limiting the number of yeah. like twists and turns you can do. Like, I feel like the car chase has been improved upon so many times that yes, it isn't like French Connection is important in the history of car chases. It is an important movie. Yeah. But to to hold it up is like. The ideal car chase, I feel like, is being willfully ignorant of all of the uh, car chase technology that has been improved in the 40 years since, 45 I think, years since. I think film fans... seven imbu- years since.
0: Wow, yeah, that's true. Um, I think movie fans have imbued that car chase with two things. One is the context of the story, uh, which is... You know, I mean, the nature of any car chase is there's going to be a little bit obsession involved, uh-huh. uh, of obsession involved. Of obsession involved. But the idea that this cop... If it, if it were any other cop, is like, ah, he got away. But Popeye the, Doyle is like, yeah, no, he's not getting away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue going uh, all the way down the line, quite literally. Um, and... And it makes for that such a satisfying moment when the guy gets off the train, and there's Popeye Doyle just sitting, uh, just standing there, and just like the look on his face of like, "Wow, this is not what I expected to happen." Uh-huh. Um, and so, like that whole sequence is like this is just a really good visualization of of the hero's yeah. absolute yeah. driving obsession. Um, by which I mean obsession with driving. Yes. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he wasn't even paying attention to the co- to the train. He was just like, I just wanted to drive for a while. Yeah. So I think people look at it with that, and I think they also look at the insane way that William Friedkin shot it, like didn't necessarily have permits yeah. for all of it. So I think people look at it that way. Yeah. I think it becomes infused with like, Oh, this was full on. This was actually dangerous. Yeah. Um, but
1: what year was the first gone in 60 seconds? Oh gosh, I don't even know. Cause I've never actually watched the whole I thing. Feel like That's in the seventies, but I might be wrong. Um, no, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was trying to decide, is it before the French connection? It was probably after. Um, cause that's insane. That's what you're talking about there too. Like yeah. it, that's, uh, it's nuts. Um, 74. Okay. Um, so uh, so, <clears throat> okay. so well, I, I want to go back because I actually glanced at the Wikipedia page too uh, just to see if there's anything I had missed. And the one that left out of me that I had missed, because I don't really think of it as an action movie, but The Great Train Robbery kind of des- deserves to be talked about in the sense that it's a violent movie, at least for the time, because a guy gets shot right. and then it has the shot that Scorsese borrowed for Goodfellas of which is still, uh, that's one of those things that is so like shocking to me that I don't know. This is an argument for familiarizing yourself with film of previous periods. You can contextualize it and realize that, yeah, the cowboy pointing the gun at the camera and firing must've been nuts. Like no one had seen anything like that before. Yeah. Um, uh, and so there is there are some elements of action movie to that but it's not really what I think of when I think of action movie.
0: Well, okay, so as I was thinking about this in true battleship pretension fashion, I want to I want to really dig in and ask what do we mean when we say action? Because I think one of the reasons that that people have a hard time saying that oh anything pre-1970 Was an action movie? Is I think for a long time, you would find action within genre movies. You would find it in war movies. You would find it in westerns. You would Mm -hmm. find them in um, swashbucklers. You know what I mean? Like they they were like action movies were almost always called something else, and they'd probably they were probably called adventure as well. But yeah, I've got um, and so like for example, uh, you know, I mean. An argument could be made that any number of westerns from the 30s, 40s, or 50s could qualify as action movies.
1: Yeah, certainly. um, Stagecoach has action scenes in it. Although I can't, I know that Stagecoach is great, but I can't watch it just knowing that when those horses fall, they're like, (laughs) yeah, they really hurt a lot of horses. Making that, they're making a lot of movies of that period. But the stagecoach, the part where they're being attacked and you keep seeing horses yeah. get shot down. And you realize they're just like tripping these horses with wires and stuff. It's like yeah. stagecoach is impossible for me to watch, unfortunately, um, despite being a great movie otherwise. Um, but yeah, I didn't even think of, uh, um, those kind of like chases. Cause I think, and that's surprising. I didn't think of that because the thing you ask how I define action, I think in kind of a literal way, I think of movement, mm-hmm. um, which is why, um, something I've long-time listeners of the show have heard me say this a million times. Um, Yes, Buster Keaton was one of the great film comedians, but he was also one of the first action stars. Yeah, and the I've, general, got a, I've got a few Keaton uh, down here. Yeah, I could have put any number. I just stuck to the general because I think, um, like, uh, certainly Steamboat Bill Jr. has a lot has action set pieces but also i think and this is a matter of opinion i think steve O'Bill jr is funnier than the general and so i picked the general because i think the general (laughs) has more straightforward action there's there's more like steve O'Bill jr or like um um what's some other ones i'm thinking of what's the one he's sitting on the uh uh, on the motorcycle handle, That's Sherlock Jr. That's Sherlock Jr. Jr. Yeah, like, except for that, it that has action or even uh, seven chances with the um, the boulders, the boulders yeah. rolling down the hill after him. That's action that's also funny. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and the general has plenty of that, but the general also has a lot of action that's just we're kind of like when you watch the raid now, you yeah. know, and it's like wow, that's just exciting. It's exhilarating that he did that. It's like evil
0: can evil. I think Steamboat Bill Jr. and the general i would say they have the same number of gags but because the general after a certain point in the film pretty early all of the gags are related specifically to the train Mm -hmm. i think it's it's easier to see it as more of like this unified thing and just constant forward momentum uh which makes sense it's the direction the train is traveling.
1: Um, as we've established, trains can only travel. One exactly. Direction. They're like sharks. Um, uh, whereas so, Jr. The, so far our criteria for action movie is has a train in it. Yeah. If it's got a train, <laughs> I
0: think we're good. Uh, there's that Berlin Lancaster movie, the train, obviously the best action movie ever made,
1: um, boiled down. <laughs> it's like base components. It's
0: like, it's like a heist. Um, but, um, but yeah, and so I do think that uh, Steamboat Bill Jr. I think that they're both very funny. Um, but I feel like the gags in Steamboat Bill Jr. sort of announce themselves more as gags. Not that that's a crime by any stretch. Um, and so, uh, but it's still, but yeah, but those those gags, almost all of Keaton's gags, to keep using the word. Sorry, that's what they called them. Yeah, no, um, it's still what it's are called in comedy, right? Yeah, their action oriented they're
1: movement oriented like and what's the difference between a gag and a like a bit is a series of things around one premise right yeah but a gag is one joke yeah it could be like or build up to uh, within
0: something it's a it's a single pratfall like okay we like when someone says like we need more gags in this now they could be talking about within one bit or the overall film um okay yeah we need more you know instantaneous laughs just something that sometimes is okay. a little bit removed from the the story or or sometimes not but it's 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 sort of the idea um when uh, spielberg made jaws and then they go to see uh ben gardner's boat and the head pops out uh-huh. uh in the initial uh in the initial filming the head was already there and they didn't get the surprise and Spielberg was like, I can get one more scream out of uh-huh. people. And it's essentially, he's thinking like a, like a, what we called uh, gag men. Uh-huh. They had a big, <laughs> they had a big, uh, stable of people whose job it was to be like, all right, we have a low here. We need a gag. And they're like, uh, what about this? Uh-huh. Uh, and this was one they went to a lot with a lot of comedians. A mouse goes up his pant leg <laughs> and cra- and craziness <laughs> ensues. Um, and along those lines, uh Harold Lloyd also I think had a lot of action in his movies um girl shy feature at the end features a very long it 's not a chase it 's a race against time, but it 's him just constantly moving forward and then like one vehicle breaks down, so immediately he has to jump onto another and essentially steal it from someone and then just yeah. keep moving um and so but that's and so that 's the thing is that. These movies have action, but that's different than an action movie. Um, with the exception of the general, I think because the general is just constantly moving forward, and in the midst of it, there's a war going on. I feel like there's enough action yeah. to
1: to put it at, to assign it that label. Um, okay, so while we're still on the topic of silent movies, then, mm-hmm. you mentioned swa- swashbucklers, yes, um, and the only. To me, the only rival to Errol Flynn mm-hmm. when it comes to buckling swashes yeah. is Douglas Fairbanks, who was the the dominant Robin Hood before mm-hmm. uh, Errol Flynn. But before he was Robin Hood, he was D'Artagnan in 1921's <laughs> The Three Musketeers, directed by Fred Nilbo, which I think is um, definitely needs to be considered as one of the first and greatest action movies mm-hmm. because... Uh, yeah the the swashbuckling is just oh man it's you'll never see finer bu- swashbuckling yeah you can't get these swashes loose
0: <laughs> yeah. they're buckled so thoroughly
1: um, and it goes back to what I'm talking about about movement is that he's just constantly jumping darting running somersaulting and mm. through it all there's the choreography yeah. of the um uh of the swordplay and so I think. Again, as far as what defined action defines action for me, it's I think there needs to be a sort of controlled chaos in a way, you know, um, it needs to be like, uh, um, to go to a more modern example, Serenity, the movie Serenity, okay, or, or any of the Star Wars movies where they have to go through an asteroid belt right. or whatever in Serenity, it's the Reavers are shooting these long spike things at them <clears throat> and it's incredibly tense and they're just all, they're just thinking like, it seems like they're just thinking one second at a time, just get out of the way, get out of the way, yeah. get out of the way. But the filmmaker has the whole plan, right. whole thing planned out. And then you come out on the other end and it's like, Oh, it's almost like a scary movie. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. at the end, the filmmaker usually, um, unless they're mean is like, I got you, you know? Uh, and I think like that's a good action sequence is that it? F- Any moment of it? might feel completely chaotic but there's a design there's a plan to all of it I think that's something that makes good action for me and that's certainly what makes the swashbuckling movies is that uh, it, they are in the more in the most literal sense they are action movies and that just Douglas Fairbanks and Errol Flynn are just running around the entire time yeah. jumping on horses swinging from curtains doing all kinds of stuff uh, and doing the amazingly choreographed swordplay throughout it and then it all feels of a of a piece uh, feels of a whole
0: controlled chaos is I think a really great way to describe it and one uh, th- a way that is very helpful for me um, I was actually thinking uh, sorry of course in talking about early action we wind up talking about modern action as well um, yeah you got to make these connections I was thinking about aliens and you know we regularly talk about how Alien is a horror sci fi and Aliens is an action sci fi. And while it's still the, a horror movie, though. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah but it's action. Yeah. And while undoubtedly there are moments of genuine action, uh, I realize that so much of Aliens is people standing stationary, shooting as the <laughs> aliens come towards them, which is a horror trope right. more than yeah. a, than an action one. Now, of course, there you also have you know these the the plane trying to out you know outrun an explosion you've got the uh you've got the the what is it a, AP the all personnel vehicle or something like that i don't remember anyway but the like thing it's,
1: that's just grinding the, yeah yeah
0: it's just grinding metal like they've blown the tra- it's it works fine until they blow the transaxle um Ugh. at which point they are just grinding metal yeah
1: um afi 100 years 100 quotes <laughs> number one with a bullet <laughs> Uh, one of the highlights of Battleship
0: Pretension for me was that conversation <laughs> with Wayne Fetterman. Which you can find, by commentary. the way,
1: if you don't have it yet, go to our premium content and get our Aliens commentary. We did a whole day of Aliens movies. Yes. Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. Uh, and they're available. The whole You get the whole kit and caboodle for 10 bucks, And right. you can hear us with Wayne Fetterman talk about Aliens and specifically <laughs> the classic unforgettable line. <laughs> what is it? <laughs>
0: You've blown the transaxle. You're just grinding metal. Oh man! Which Wayne cited as his favorite line to talk about with his friends. <laughs> I don't know how much material they could mine from that. Well, we got a uh, fair uh, amount. That's of it. true, but uh, it was mostly us just laughing at Wayne. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I so I actually had had a, a hard time for a while thinking of aliens as a full on action movie. Uh, especially in the moments with like, it's like, Oh, is it just cause they're like shooting guns and stuff or what? Uh-huh. Um, but putting it a certain way, which is you, you, the audience, you are breathless and you are glued to the screen and it seems chaotic and it occurred to me that the the momentum the forward movement is in the editing it's not necessarily always in the characters moving it is in the director moving our attention very quickly and again keeping us uh you know uh, in suspense but also you can't really say that those sequences are pure suspense either, because there are people just firing, uh, weapons in all directions. And so along those lines to go to now go back a little bit. Um, have you ever seen my darling Clementine? I never have. It's very good. I don't love it. It's very good. And the sequence at the end, essentially the, the shootout, um, which is definitely stretched out quite a bit. Uh, And it is, it is suspenseful, uh, but there are a lot of people like jumping behind things and then shooting and that sort of thing. And every once in a while somebody gets hit and, and it really, uh, I mean, it's John Ford, of course, who is good at this kind of thing. Um, it, it really, I, it feels like. Uh, an action sequence. And I'd say more specifically, it feels like a modern action sequence. Um, it's a really well put together, uh, moment.
1: Hmm. Um, did you ever see man of the West with uh, Gary Cooper, directed by Anthony Mann? I did not. Um, it is, So it also has a climactic shootout that feels less like action and more like suspense. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's not a big chaotic shootout. shootout. It's like two guys in an abandoned town that are doing more, trying to stay away from each other and lure yeah. each other into their traps. And they are just like shooting at each other. But the thing, the reason I always think about it is that, uh, you know, we complain about movie trailers these days, giving way too much of the movie. Watch, go watch the original theatrical oh, yeah. trailer from *Man of the West, which literally shows you the entire ending of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, it's I,
0: I, anytime we talk about old trailers, I just, I want to quote, uh, our friend, uh, Jimmy Pardo, uh-huh. uh, who, on his show, once talked about the old trailer for Planet of the Apes, which, of course, many of them at the time, to- many trailers at the time had a narrator, and like they really needed if it was a high concept movie, they really needed to let you yeah. know what you're expected. And so Jimmy going, the apes talk, the people
1: don't <laughs> in Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, talk, I mean, narrated trailers only really died out like at the end of the 90s. Yeah, like into the 90s, it was still. Cause Uh, it was was a name. Don Don LaFontaine. LaFontaine. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's the inner world guy, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Did he maybe say that once? Like it that got turned into a thing that we, uh, that they all say what he wouldn't more do is like, give you the character, the quick character background. Like John McClane is a New York cop. (laughs) I can't do the great Don, Don LaFontaine voice, but, uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy how dated those sound now. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think we'll ever actually go back to them.
0: Um, at least not for a while, because I think people our age will hear them and just start laughing, Yeah, even if it's a dramatic... Uh, they do it with foreign films. Uh, they will have a narrator for foreign films because they want to downplay the fact that people are not speaking English. I
1: mean, that is part of it, uh, downplaying the fact that people are speaking English in foreign films, but also part of it is that Trailers tend to consist of shorter cuts and you can't necessarily read right. the entire subtitle, you know, um, cause I've seen foreign trailers that are essentially just like take a scene from the movie mm-hmm. and you can do that with subtitles. But if you're doing, if you think about how a trailer is cut, yeah. you can't have, you, you you won't be able to read it all yeah. uh, in, in the time. You know, I, I know from when I was doing closed captioning, it takes like uh, a, a couple seconds, you know, uh, right. to read, Um, to read a subtitle and a lot of these shots that are shorter than
0: that like you have to read it and then contextualize Uh it and like yeah "Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen in a trailer Um, but so to go back to uh, what is it Man of the West you said Mm -hmm. and then uh, My Darling Clementine and movies like The Searchers um, I mean I would consider these action movies but because they are westerns first I feel like well a big part of the western is uh, you know horses and Uh, and yes, of course, trains, um, (laughs) and gunfire. And so since those things, which also tend, which can also signify, uh, action, uh, and chase and, you know, chase scenes and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like that's, it's almost like. West, the the Western genre claimed those first, and mm-hmm. so it's just like, yeah, yeah. There's action, but that's just because it's a Western. Yeah. In the same way that I don't think anybody would say, you know, *Sans, Sans of Iwo Jima is an action movie yeah. because it's a war movie. Yeah, war, I don't war think war is action.
1: Uh, it is, but I do think if I had to, if I had to rank elements of action movie, I feel like for me the chase would be at the number would be. At the top. Sure. Then there'd be like hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Then there'd be shootouts. Mm-hmm. And then an explosion is like, it's an element of an action movie, but explosion itself is not action, really. Is it? I don't know. Um,
0: that's a good question. I think it, <clears throat> I think it probably is. I think, it, you know what? I think it's all about the lead up. Uh-huh. if the lead up is we're simply you know if it's touch of evil or something like that and we're waiting for the explosion now it's okay. a function of suspense and less action but I but think if it's, if it's a it's surprise, just,
1: like Children of Men right the very yeah, beginning of Children of yeah, Men yeah. right yeah uh, um, it's hard yeah the, I don't it's think it's ch- but Children of Men is, has a chase has a chase element Children yeah. of Men has, is a movie well, we talked about movies that like Aren't horror movies, but have horror elements. So we've talked about movies that aren't Christmas movies, but have Christmas elements. Yeah. Chinatown, I don't really think of as an action movie, but it has multiple action set pieces. Oh, in no it. question about it. I think people would definitely see it as an action movie. I
0: mean, officially, it's a sci-fi, but it's so. I think it's so steeped in action mm-hmm. that uh, I think people probably see it that way first. Um, and that's one where
1: the chaos is, in my
0: opinion, a bit too carefully controlled. Um, I
1: yeah, I know that's a problem that you've had, and I, But I I I don't know because I feel I kind of feel the same way about Gravity, but it didn't keep me from liking Gravity. Although I don't love Gravity, I feel like Gravity is very superficial experience. Yeah, which um, is not a crime,
0: uh, right? Yeah, but yeah. it it also keeps it from being one of my favorite movies of that year. Um. Um. Yeah. Okay. So um. Wait, let me ask you have, this. Oh, okay. uh, sorry. Would you say Gravity is an action movie?
1: Uh, I probably wouldn't have, but yeah, I I do think Gravity is an action movie. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's tough. That's the thing, is it's why you know, because on top of discussing um the auteur theory in class, I'm also talking about genre. Mm-hmm. And in talking about genre, yes, obviously there's like Western, sci fi, film noir, like they're the easy ones you can point to. Drama, comedy, not genres. And action, I think, is not a genre because just like comedy the set pieces or gags uh can work their way into all these other things yeah. and and it's to the point where i feel like it's it's hard to it, action is almost like what people said what that one guy said about uh that one guy i think he was a politician uh said about porn it's like i know it when i see it right yeah but i find it ha- but i i find it hard to d- officially define
1: yeah yeah, I don't know if I
0: agree with that guy, by the way. No, I don't think I do either. I feel like but pornography is... I think you can define it pretty easily.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I, I was. We'll talk about this more when we do our AFI Fest thing in a couple, couple weeks, but I was actually thinking about how you define porn because mm-hmm. there was a movie that I saw at AFI that had very explicit, non-simulated sex. Oh, in, mine. It was a documentary, you know... A, it uh, was just the collage. thing you were watching on your phone <laughs> you know, while you were. Yeah, But like, I would not think of this movie as being pornographic and I feel like porn pornography has more to do with intent than content. Do you know what I mean? No question about it. Um, and so I feel like that's, that's what I'd tell. I, I can't remember. Was it a, a politician or was it a Supreme court justice? Or? It was,
0: it was during a hearing of some okay, kind and yeah. I don't remember which it was.
1: Um, that's what, that's what I'd tell that guy. It's about, it's about what it's aiming to do. Yeah. Um, all right, so um uh, um, I have one more silent movie okay that was a late a late edition cause I didn't actually think of it as an action movie, but then you mentioned adventure mm-hmm. uh the lost world the nineteen twenty five okay. silent movie about um a plateau in the jungles of South America where dinosaurs have survived all all this mm-hmm. time um that has action um has action in it because they're like fighting monsters or monsters are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I do think that there is a distinction to be made between action movies and adventure movies. Right. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what it is. And I know a lot of times if you go back to the old video store days, sometimes the thing would say action slash adventure yeah. as one genre. Um, but I don't necessarily think that they're, you know, I think of like, um, blood diamond. I feel like that's kind of an adventure movie. It obviously has like some geopolitical stuff going on, but I think of it as an adventure movie and it has shootouts and stuff. I don't really think of it as an action movie.
0: I would definitely see it more as an, okay, so, all right, here we go. Here we go. All right. So adventure, what is the, what is the definition of adventure versus action? I do think adventure tends to be, tends to be a bit more whimsical. Um, I tend to think that in an adventure movie, it seems, it, it is almost always, I think, a heightened version of reality, a stylized version of reality, where even if even if the, the threat is just other people, the villain is usually uh, kind of over the top and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And so based on that, I feel like Blood Diamond, while having certain adventure trappings, like, for example, Congo... <laughs> Where David, you are the endangered species. Specifically, me. You, um, <laughs> so don't go there, David. Uh, it's. I do think that I do. I would think of Blood Diamond more as as an action movie.
1: But let me tell you. Th- okay, let me say this because you mentioned, and I agree with you that action is not necessarily a genre. I would say adventure is more of a genre because I, it, I adventure th- does too. suggest certain things about the story about yeah. about a, a character or a group of characters. Embarking on a dangerous journey to yeah. achieve some generally lofty goal. Yes. Right?
0: And, and it, I, I do find that adventure tends not to have a tremendous amount of weight. People die and you still care, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be quite as impactful emotionally as if, you know, when a character dies in a, a, an action film or certainly a drama. Um, you know, which is why to go back to a movie that we were talking about for longer than one would have expected with Gordy Hoffman, the Meg, uh, I view it much less as a horror movie and much more as an adventure. Um, because, uh, adventure isn't necessarily ensemble, but I do think it lends itself to an ensemble.
1: Yeah. But there are solo yeah. adventure movies, right? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, think- I guess Indiana Jones, but that. Raiders of the Lost Ark is kind of solo. I mean, you got Karen Allen, but she yeah. needs to be rescued half the time. And you've got but by the, the, by the time of the last crusade, that is, you get more of no, an ensemble. Absolutely, yeah. yes, yes. Um and then that was the last uh, Indiana Jones movie, right? As far as I'm the concerned, three yeah years. Indiana Jones movies. Okay. Yeah. Uh all right, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing any Indiana Jones movies. Then there is just, just uh, some three. some asylum
0: ripoff off uh, version, <laughs> I don't remember, but it didn't didn't cr- really no one was
1: buying yeah. it. Yeah, Ohio Smith. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's move out of the uh, silent era then. And well, I already mentioned Adventures of Robin Hood. But, I mean, that's um, the first
0: one that I think of. Like, if you mention early action, that's the one that I'll think of. But at the same time, I feel like that could very easily be classified as adventure, as I think most like we use see, the term too much. But like swashbuckling, I think most of those will be seen as adventure.
1: But the thing is, there's no. To, cause I use the word journey to describe adventure movies and neither of the three musketeers right. or, uh, I mean, I think there are, I think there are other D'Artagnan stories that would be adventure, but like the main three musketeers story, uh, no, that, that has an adventure cause he does set out anyway. It's not important, but Robin Hood isn't really an adventure because right. he's not going on a journey. He's staying home. That's yeah. his whole thing is he's staying home to protect his homeland from, uh, domestic threats. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I don't know if I do consider it, uh adventure based on the criteria yeah. that I laid out two and a half minutes ago and had never thought of before that. Yeah. Um anyway. So uh the whole point of this podcast, this episode at least is that Adventures of Robin Hood is a great movie. Yeah. Um I feel like you already covered a lot of Western's ground. Um although there's one I'm saving for the end. Okay. Um but uh y- yeah, I did. I, I I worked on the Searchers as a movie that is not an action movie, but it has action elements in terms yeah. of it has shootouts, and it is right. the whole movie is a kind of chase, yeah. uh,
0: in a way, and also kind of a journey. If we want to go back to the adventure thing,
1: yeah. Um, but, but were there yeah. any other westerns that you had on your um, list? There's a, probably a ton we could think of. Yeah, oh, undoubtedly. Um, but I do think that yeah, the so many
0: you know so many. Uh, Westerns are not unlike, uh, Robin hood, like people defending where they are right now. So they're not necessarily traveling and there tends not to be like a big chase. But what you do get is stuff like Rio Bravo or El Dorado, which is people kind of hold up in a place and have, they have to defend it from
1: a lot of gunmen and that sort of thing. So I was thinking, I mean, this is obviously Rio Bravo's I'm not making the case that Rio Bravo is a horror movie. But it's also um, not coincidental that there are a number of horror movies that kind of lift the premise of Rio Bravo. And I was thinking about, because I wrote a review, again, we'll talk about this on the AFI episode, uh, but I wrote a review of Susanna Beer's Bird Box, Mm -hmm. uh, which I I saw at the festival. And that is uh, of a genre that I would consider survival horror. Yeah. Which is a term that I've realized is mostly used for video games, but there are survival horror movies as mm-hmm. well. Um, and Rio Bravo kind of <laughs> is like a prototype of a survival horror movie, except it's not horror because there's nothing like supernatural. They're not keeping out like demons or yeah. whatever, like, or, or like or a on precinct 13. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, like John Carpenter brought horror elements by making um, the attackers, mostly like faceless yeah. silhouettes that like, it could be a zombie movie, you know, Very much or so. it could be from dust till dawn, which is a kind of, mm-hmm. uh, man from dust to dawn. I, I didn't talk about a movie journal, but I watched it again recently. Mm-hmm. Fearful that it wouldn't hold up. It's so good from yeah. *Dust to Dawn*. It is such a great movie. And I really, uh, it, you know, I, I know I'm, if anyone listening to this, younger people don't know much about the movie. I'm going to spoil Something, but the thing is, here's the thing, it was spoiled for all of us by the advertising. Yes. But if you ever get a chance to watch From Dust Till Dawn with someone who doesn't know it's a vampire movie, it's, it must be the most fun experience in the world because it is, there or, are, or a very disappointing experience. <laughs> because there are zero hints that it's a vampire movie yeah. until more than 45 minutes of the way, more than halfway through the movie. Yeah. And then Selma Hayek turns into a vampire and then everyone turns into a vampire and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then it still manages to be a good movie. Uh, after that, I was really surprised by uh, how much From it on holds up um, and kind of disappointed that Robert Rodriguez is another guy like uh, Tim, he's Burton, like Tim I, Burton. I was just yeah, having that thought. Yeah. The, I don't really get excited for his movies anymore, but from Dustin, I can even tell you the last
0: movie he put out. Um, I know he has, but I, uh,
1: he's someone I don't even keep track of anymore. Yeah, he must have put out something since... Was it like Machete 2? Would that have been his last? I don't know. I'm looking him up. Because um, he did... Okay. He did the three Spy Kids movies, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. He did he Once Upon a part of Time in Mexico. He, he did, did Sin City. Uh, oh, I forgot about Sin City. Um, there's the two Machete movies. There's another one that I'm missing here. Uh, okay, yeah. let's see. I don't remember. Uh,
0: it would appear he's done uh, a surprising amount of... TV well, Oh maybe this days.
1: from Dust to series. Yeah.
0: Um which and I then watched he did one episode. called Matador. He did The sin city sequel. I didn't know that. Um he's done a number of short films. Okay. He did Planet Terror uh which right, is half that's a what I was with Brian House. No, but that's
1: over um, 10 years ago now. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah and like looking at this, yeah, he really is not I mean upcoming projects there are seven. Um uh, Okay. <laughs> under-rumored uh, Escape from New York. Oh, right. Yeah.
1: We don't need that.
0: And then there's a movie called Machete Kills in Space, which... Oh, I've heard about... Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know if that'll ever happen, but... Um, um, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll get back to the topic, but, yeah. From Dust to Dawn's great. Another movie that I feel like I've that I've stood by since it came out, and I feel like people are starting to come around on it is The Faculty. Oh, the yeah. Faculty's an awesome, awesome movie. Yeah. That's sort of a... Um, horror but also has some action elements to it mm-hmm. because he's Robert Rodriguez and he can't not because he no. does action really well no. uh, when he's when he's doing it well uh, anyway um, so back to the topic at hand uh, which is how good from Dawn is no um, post westerns and now we're getting we're we're I'm into the 50s now
0: well okay so let me suggest this in the 30s you know, I'm going to be talking about another genre. You had gangster pictures, so you've got Tommy guns. You do have car chases. Uh, they're usually not remarkably in depth, but you certainly have, you know, people driving along and shooting their Tommy guns out of their cars like that by any, by any definition of action like that fits. Um, but it is rooted within it's rooted in this genre. And so I don't think anybody would think of, little Caesar or Scarface yeah. or public enemy or any of those as action movies, though they feature quite a bit of action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got you more into, so than
0: modern gangster movies, I think.
1: Um, yeah. And you get into noir, which I also, yeah, has chases and shootouts and stuff. I'm yeah. thinking of, um, speaking of Anthony Mann, he walked by night. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that, uh, ends with an awesome foot chase over roofs, rooftops and into sewers. It's a really good movie. There's that um, wonderful sequence in gun crazy. Oh God. Yeah. Where you're
0: inside the car yeah. uh, as a bank robbery. is. That's happening. an action sequence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, then you've got like monster movies that have action, you know, from like King Kong to, yeah. yeah King Kong. To I them. Think. Yeah. Um, so, and, and then, uh, A movie that I watched, I say recently because I'm old now and things that happened a year and a half ago still seem somewhat recent Mm -hmm. to me. So somewhat recently I rewatched North by Northwest. Oh yeah. And that I feel like has so many at this point with North by Northwest and everything I'm going to mention from here on now out, we're getting to where action movies almost exist yeah. in, the, in the thing, in the way that we th- think of them now. Yeah. And North Northwest has multiple sequences like the plane, uh, the, the crop duster plane yeah. and like the uh, Mount Rushmore thing yeah. uh, at the end that feel like cinema in general, just sort of dipping its toes into yeah. into action. I also should mention we've talked almost exclusively uh, I think exclusively about American movies. I was going to say, because like, I don't, Kurosawa has a lot of action in his movies. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point because I know when I think of action movies now, one of the first things I think of is, is Kung Fu movies or Wuxia movies or those sort of things. But I don't, I will admit that I'm not steeped enough in the history of those to. I'm assuming, yeah, like you said, this curse. I'm assuming Wooja movies didn't just materialize out of nothing in the 1970s. No. There's clearly something leading up to them. I just don't know about it.
0: And like if we're if we're looking at something like the Adventures of Robin Hood as an action movie uh, because of these amazing sword fights and stuff, then ob- then like Hidden Fortress absolutely counts. As does uh, maybe not Rashomon, but certainly Seven Samurai. Um, and, uh, others that, uh, well, I mean, yeah. I think it could be argued that even something like throne of blood, which yes, is a Shakespearean adaptation and, but it still features, have you ever seen throne of blood? I've never seen throne of blood. Oh, it's, it is marvelous. It's, I think Rashman is still my favorite of his, but I think throne of blood, throne of blood is a close second. Yeah. Um, the sequence where the Macbeth character dies is, It's horrific. It's suspenseful. It's action packed. It is a really marvelous sequence.
1: Oh yeah. Um, Real quick, while we're on subject of Japan, uh, I love Kenji uh, Kenji Mizuguchi's the 47 Ronin because it's a four sure. hour movie about samurai that has exactly one sword fight in the entire movie. It's an awesome sword fight, yeah. but it's f- four hours of samurai sitting around and talking and I love it. It's a great movie. Um, but while we're on the subject of Shakespeare, what about the foot chase in uh, Orson Welles Othello through the bathhouse? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, yeah,
0: that counts. Um, yeah. And, Speaking of Orson Welles and chases, what about the sewer chase in Third Man? Uh-huh. No one, I don't think anybody would argument argued that Third Man is an action movie, but that is a sequence yeah. that I don't know. It's it, like there's there's going to be so much overlap between suspense and action, and that sequence I think maybe falls more under suspense than action, but it is it, there's certainly a lot of Ford momentum in that sequence, more so than any other moment in the film mm-hmm. um and so yeah uh but i think in yeah getting into the 50s and certainly the 60s yes partially because well now you're getting into admittedly spy movies but yeah. you're getting to james bond. james
1: bond is then literally the yeah. next thing on my list because yeah. that is where you start to wonder where the lines blur dr no doesn't really feel like an action movie in fact right i remember sometimes i forget I don't know if uh, sometimes we've seen comedians do bits mm-hmm. on stage. And I don't know if they ever, but Patton Oswalt did you read his bit about Doctor No that he used to so. do on stage, which is the idea that they had this great action movie theme song, mm-hmm. but there's not enough action in Doctor No to justify it. Mm-hmm. So it's like James Bond unpacking his suitcase in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway uh but yeah you those get increasingly to where um uh what's the one um for your eyes only right sure or is it you only live twice which one <laughs> I, I always get them mixed up it's you only live twice yes. for your eyes only is timothy dalton uh that sounds right to me right i think it's you only live twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's where you're getting into the Austin Powers type stuff with the enormous yeah. underground layers, and so you're yeah. you're, they're, he's blown away, scores of henchmen, yeah. and there's explosions, and he's running, um, and so yeah, those those spy movies definitely uh, the the James Bond movies over the course of the '60s because that one is '67, I think, mm-hmm. is that right? Let's see. I'm not good with yours at this point. Well, Doctor No '62, and so I think. For Rush With Love, there was like one a year at, at a time there. So For Rush With Love is 63, Goldfinger 64, right. Thunderball is 65. And then I think there's a two-year gap, or is Thunderball 66. And there's a two-year gap in there somewhere. I think it's between, it's either between Goldfinger and Thunderball, or between Thunderball and you only know, live twice. But in any case, you end up at 1967 with mm-hmm. twice. And then um, there's a break until... Uh, whatever the next one is. So by then you get into the seventies and right. uh and you don't have to worry about whether or not it's an action movie because in the seventies we're allowed to say it's an action movie <laughs> by our rules. Well, and and that's the thing is. So
0: when I think of a modern action movie, um, it usually takes place in modern day. It's not a period film.
1: That's a great thought. A great I think. Thought, yeah, I think a,
0: so many. I mean obviously when they were making gangster pictures, they weren't necessarily period pieces. Sometimes they're maybe like this takes place seven years ago, but th- I think they're definitely supposed to be modern day, but they were still gangster movies. And so whether it be Western war movies, squash bucklers or something like that, like action was seen as something that took place in the past, I guess. Um, and I think maybe starting with the seventies, yes, right. They were often still cops, and you know, so you could say, "Oh, it's the cop genre." But I don't think that necessarily qualifies. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think bringing action into the modern day is, I think that might be one of the things whether people acknowledge it or not, that might be where the
1: concept of the official action right. movie yeah. started. Um, another one from the 60s that I want to mention that I think before I had had when I was, you know, probably I was still in film school before I had had, you know, uh, the years, the sophistication experience that sure. I have now, uh, and I hadn't really thought about when action movies started I do specifically remember seeing The Great Escape for the first time, sure, and that's a very long movie the most of it is not action but Steve McQueen on the motorcycle near the end when he's trying to get away and he's jumping over the barbed wire fence on the mm. motorcycle. I remember feeling at the time like, wow, this seems early for this kind of thing. Yeah. Cause it really is a full on action sequence in a movie from what year is 68. What year is the great escape even earlier than that? I don't know. You're usually the one who's good with years is the thing. That's why it, I always ask you uh, about movies I've seen. Oh, you've never seen the Great Escape? No, it's, it's fun. It's very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh oh, 63. So even earlier. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Two hours and 52 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, well, th- another one from the C's that I wanted to mention as something that I also thought the first time I saw this as a movie that has an action scene <coughs> in it that is laughable by today's standards. Okay. And that's the Manchurian Candidate, where Frank Sinatra does karate.
0: (laughs) That's right,
1: at half speed. (laughs) Um, That that I I love the Manchurian Candidate so much, but that like fight in the apartment is almost laughable uh, at how how old and slow and clunky it feels now. Yeah, it's. uh,
0: (laughs) Do you think that more so than anything else is what inspired the Pink Panther? (laughs) <laughs> and the idea of Cato okay. coming out, uh, you know, right. um, yeah. so as far as like the action comedy and the idea of chases and, and, you know, these races against time and that sort of thing, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world has a lot of really great action sequences. Yeah, um, probably did. I haven't seen that since I was a kid, but it, I used to love it. It up until the very end holds up. Okay. And then the end is just like, okay, it's, we've been watching a while. Stanley Kramer, uh, <laughs> you know, I realize I, I don't remember if he made that before or after judgment at Nuremberg, but,
1: uh, he seemed to want it to be as long one way or another. Um, um, yeah, it, it's funny. You think, you think of kids as having short attention spans, but when I was a kid, I would think because I had it on tape mm-hmm. and I would think nothing of throwing in some Mad Men, Mad Men mad, mad World. Yeah. Because I it was like a summer Saturday I didn't have shit to do. Yeah. And I could just watch a movie for three hours. It carry you through till Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um one of my favorite uh we watched it back when I would go to movie night with Scott and our friend Josh and Kyle before Anderson and stuff.
1: Before the falling out.
0: Before yeah. the, the incident. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's unspeakable. Um We watched It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, and I hadn't seen it since, yeah, since I was a kid, and there are scenes in it that are so hysterical, and some of them are just, are the kind of thing that a a kid would absolutely adore, but it's delivered so well, Um, so like Ethel, I think it's Ethel Merman that's in it, right, Uh and she is with, uh, oh my gosh, his name is now, Oh, that's it's killing me. He always does like he always did like weird voices and he was like a, a larger gentleman. Uh, his name escapes me, but uh, anyway. Um, he oh, that's gonna kill me because it's it's right there. You know, listeners are Jonathan shaming. Winters.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. oh man, did you ever? This is going back to the big early days of uh, WTF with Mark. Oh, yeah. Oof, Rough heavy stuff. stuff. Definitely lending credence to the idea that all comedians <laughs> are fucked up people. Yeah, he had a
0: rough past. A rough past. Um but uh anyway, so he's playing kind of this good-natured lummox as he tends to do. Mm-hmm. Uh tended to do, pardon me. And uh so whereas Ethel Merman is just this loudmouth like mother-in-law character and they they find themselves together. And uh and he and she's just insulting him, and finally he like threatens her, and she's like, "You're not going to do anything now, drive on, you big, stupid idiot." <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, you big, stupid idiot. You don't get more nine years old than that, But as a 30-something when I watched it, I laughed so hard. I think it was because it was so dismissive of what he might be feeling. Oh, man, it's good. And then and then like there's a cameo by Jerry Lewis where a guy like drops his hat in the street and he wants to go get it. And then it just cuts to Jerry Lewis looking ridiculous as he's driving a car down the street, sees a hat and just immediately goes for it and just (laughs) runs it right over. And then Jerry Lewis
1: is is gone from the film. (laughs) Uh, That's great. Uh, Yeah. Jerry Lewis. Problematic fave. I guess. Okay. Uh because of his repeated assertions that women weren't funny. Mm. Um like n- like <laughs> including late into his life <laughs> yeah. still saying something like that. Uh it's a real bummer because he, he was really really funny. Um uh, so speaking of action comedy, and I don't want to uh step on the toes of the next next week's episode, mm-hmm. but Smoking the Bandit. Oh sure. Uh, is a full on car chase and i didn't even think of it until you mentioned the hat because of one of my favorite lines when um when Jackie <laughs> gleason's uh what's his name the uh, i can't remember i'm drawing a blank on his name but the his son or whatever oh yeah yeah loses his hat his hat he's like my hat flew off and he was like i wish your head was with it or yeah. something like
0: that <laughs> It sounded like i wish your goddamn head was in it or something <laughs> That's like that
1: what
0: it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i got to say i uh, don't i don't say goddamn very often uh but as a comedy swear word Mm -hmm. it is hard to beat if you do it just right like and (laughs) and jackie gleason because he said it a fair amount in that movie oh my god
1: yeah and Give Every me a time. Diablo sandwich and a Dr. Pepper and make it quick. I'm in a goddamn hurry. I think it's like really hitting the D's like, uh-huh. f- like a uh, goddamn, like, you
0: <laughs> yeah. know, and I feel like, and the other one is the one that I always laugh at is big Lebowski. When David Hiddleston is like the goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. <laughs> um, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, it just wouldn't be as funny if they didn't say that. All um, right.
1: We need to wrap up. Yeah. Cause we got more to do tonight. There was one last one I wanted to get to. Okay. Uh, in terms of going back to Westerns, but also right on the cusp of the 1970s. Um, one thing we ha- we've we talked about, shootouts and stuff, but um, I think one thing that, and you talked about people dying in adventure movies and a meaning something. One thing that happens once you get into the 1970s is that action movies, as they become real things, become more and more violent. Mm-hmm. And The Wild Bunch oh, is yeah. a movie that cannot be overlooked in the history of action movies, even if it's not, really an action movie based on their criteria yeah and i i would pair it with bonnie and clyde um which came out
0: i think two years before before. um yeah oh uh for the record uh listeners if you've not seen the wild bunch uh you owe it to yourself as a fan of film Uh to watch it i adore the wild bunch on every level i love it
1: i i mean i also think it's great but i find it Hard to watch. It is it's hard to watch, but, really, really I, still, but I still love it. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, and it is. It definitely steps it up. I mean, it's certainly. I think it. I think it could count as a revisionist western. Um, okay. Simply by having all of these characters be so thoroughly unpleasant, right? Um, and so, and and the fact of, of just like, yeah, we're going to show every gunshot and every wound and we're gonna have blood all over the place yeah um and so uh i almost said sam fuller sam peckinpah Peckinpah. um but uh yeah and and i do think that it's while still while yes thoroughly a western i do feel like it is something of an action milestone Mm. as well um i think you can i don't know i don't know if Filmmakers of the seventies were specifically influenced by it, but I think you can definitely point to it as like, okay, there was action before, whether it be Western or otherwise. Uh And now there's action after. And uh, yeah, there's, it's different now.
1: Well, this has been a great conversation. We should wrap up. Sure. Thank you for, uh, well, I'll say that in a little bit. You can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. That's where you can find all sorts of, uh, stuff, including this week right now. Oh, by the way, happy Thanksgiving. This is the last time we'll talk to you before Thanksgiving. (laughs) That's we'll be recording right. another episode, you and I, before Thanksgiving. Well, this yes. is the last, but I won't be posting until after. So, happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
0: And along those lines, I will say, I know that you laugh at the idea of like uh, meetups and
1: stuff. I don't but laugh at it. It makes me uh, unbearably queasy. Fair but enough. But that's me. Um, that's not the listeners. So, I'm going to be in
0: Chicago uh, over Thanksgiving. I'm going to be there for uh, ten full days. And... The day after Thanksgiving, so Friday the 23rd, I want to say. Um, that sounds right to me um, I am going to be doing a, a sort of a meetup. I will be there our writer uh, Aaron Pinkston will be there awesome um, and as well as uh, a couple other people and so if you are interested in coming and hanging out and talking movies and that sort of thing uh, just email me Tyler at com. it will officially be at D'Agostino's at oh, yeah. uh, Southport and Addison um, right by the music box if you are familiar with with it which i assume if you're listening to this and you live in chicago you probably are yeah um but yeah so it'll be at eight o'clock at d'agostino's uh let me know ahead of time uh so that i know uh to potentially uh tell them to add more seats
1: um real quick and we're not doing movie journal this week because of scheduling we will do it eventually but i wanted to ask because i know you and i have both seen widows Mm -hmm. did widows make you miss chicago at all
0: Well, a lot of it takes place, I feel like, in a part of Chicago that I wasn't that familiar with. I feel like a lot of it was—I mean, they're talking about the Green Line and stuff, so I feel like they're on the south side, which I wasn't super
1: familiar with. But But on multiple occasions, they go to the Fireside Bowl, which is a place that I used to hang out at a lot. Mm -hmm. Now it's a bowling alley once again, Mm -hmm. because I think my understanding is the city of Chicago made them— when I was going there, it was a bar and a music venue that had bowling lanes, but mm-hmm. they weren't really functional. I think the city of Chicago for like zoning reasons, they're like, Hey, you need to, this needs to be a bowling alley or else we're going to like charge you more or something. It was a weird yeah. thing. So they shut down briefly and revamped it and made it actual working bowling alley again. So I never actually bowled at the fireside bowl. Yeah. But the fact that they, there's like a three or four scenes in widows of the fireside bowl. Yeah. And Kevin J O'Connor plays the owner. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that part specifically, I was like, Oh, I've sat at that bar and at that table and
0: yeah i did i guess i did miss it a little bit and there's one sequence that uh we'll talk about in a couple weeks i guess uh where steve mcqueen makes a very interesting choice to feature a conversation that's inside a car but he never takes us inside the car instead as the car is driving he treats us to long stretches of chicago yeah so that was kind of nice
1: all right so um Yeah, there's all sorts of movie reviews right now uh, from me and Scott um, from the AFI Fest. And me, I I wrote the review for Widows. uh, But I'm saying from AFI Fest, there's me and Scott. And yes, there's also reviews from Tyler. um, And uh, I feel like someone else posted a review uh, this week, maybe not. Um, Well, and then there's a new uh, video series uh, being kicked
0: off by uh, Alexander Miller. Yeah. So yes. in which uh, he's commenting on uh, trailers yeah. so that we don't have to, which is nice. That's great. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, that's all about dot com. You can follow us on Twitter at Davy pretension or at Tyler pretension. Anything going on on more than one lesson this week? Uh, not this week. And I,
0: and probably not for the next few weeks just because I'm going to be out right. of town. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking of, of restructuring more than one lesson and making it not so much, not so much weekly as just, if I see a movie that strikes my fancy, I'll do it. Um, so there will probably be long stretches of nothing, but there are still reviews and there are still episodes of fear of God and that sort of thing. So there's still stuff to do at more than one but, uh, the podcast is definitely going to be, uh, reformatted.
1: Well, until, uh, so again, happy Thanksgiving until then. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.